Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of More Than Just Code Podcast. Um, my name is Timothy I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Still in Whitby. And I'm joined by Jaime Lopez in San- uh, Seattle. How's it going? And we're also joined by Mark Rubin, who's down in Los Angeles again today. Hey, everybody. So, um, the first sort of story that came up was, apparently there's this thing called a Trade Federation Blockade that stopped blocking Apple's attempt to um, um, use Apple Pay in stores in the United States. So, are you okay there? Yeah, sorry. I just a little something in my throat. Oh, you, you brought up the uh, <laughs> movies that should not be talked about. <laughs> well, come on, you know what's what's wrong with that? So, so I think that's a perfect perfect example, though, of what's going on here. There's a bunch of you know interested parties made up of a bunch of you know somewhat some could say slimy retailers that are blocking Apple's attempt to use uh, Apple Pay in in the environment, and they have their own reasons for it because they're motivated motivated by their own products. So. Um, Jaime, do you want to take the lead on this one? Yeah. Oh, wow. Where do I even start? So let's let's just go with the blocking piece. So okay. Uh, last episode, I was talking about how I had this wonderful experience at CVS Pharmacy, and lo and behold, I think a day or two later, they started blocking Apple Pay. Um, right. So they're they're apparently part of a consortium. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's MCX. If I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, directly. MCX. Yep. There's yep. many retailers. I think Walmart is probably the, by far the largest one and, and really driving things uh, forward to mm-hmm. this. But they have their own alternative method for payment called currency, or you know, currency is what they're trying to go for. So, right. the basic idea is that these retailers are pretty much under the thumb of the big banks and the credit cards, the Mastercards and the Visas of the world. And they have to give, you know, two to three percent. I don't remember exactly what they're giving, but they're giving X percent of every yeah, transaction that they deal with to those people. 
And mm-hmm. understandably, they, they really don't like that situation. So they've come up with this whole payment system that bypasses that by just going to, um, as a user, you put in your bank account information. So they mm. still pay some money uh, for the transfer there, but it's uh, a much lower percentage than it would be if they pulled it from the credit card. Right, right. These are uh, ACH transactions that they're talking about, right? Where they go through this clearinghouse and they have direct access to users' checking accounts is the idea. Right, okay. Um, which is kind of scary in its own way. Yeah, I mean, this is just bad for everybody uh, except the retailers. And it's been a common theme, and you know, we'll have a link to like the Daring Fireball uh, John Gruber article where this this solution really only solves the retailers' problems. It doesn't solve any real problems for users. It's not as secure as uh, forget Apple Pay, just NFC payments in general, right? It's it's not as right. secure as that. Um, in terms of the the technical solution, it's not as secure, at least in the United States of America. Uh, with regards to your bank account versus, you know, the sort of things you can do to protect yourself with your credit card and what you're liable for. Um, And it's, from a usability standpoint, it's inferior. So unlike, you know, something like an Apple Pay where you just take your phone out, put it on the reader, it automatically wakes up and you put your fingerprint to pay for something in just a couple seconds. In this case, you have to wake up your phone, unlock your phone, launch the currency app, wait for it to connect and generate a QR code, and then show that QR code to the cashier who then scans it. Right. Or, or alternately, you, you scan a QR code or something. Yes, it, there is. It, a, there generally, is generally, it's a goofy, goofy system. It's not very user-friendly. I mean, I read about it on the, the article you posted on from TechCrunch today about it, and it just it just seemed like a you know, real sort of Rube Goldberg way of paying for something. Yeah, and they're looking for all sorts of weird information, like your health information, your social security number. I mean, they're right. they're really they're getting pretty deep inside of you with those white gloves for sure. <laughs> now, that's the whole impetus behind the system, right? So it's kind of a twofold desire on their part. They want to save money on the credit card transaction fees. They want to cut out Mastercard and Visa, but they're also looking to uh, have a path for getting better user information so that they can profile them. Right. So all these um, uh, loyalty programs and discount cards as a way of finding out exactly who their customers are. Um, That's why uh, they've got this whole setup and they want all that information, you know, so Mm -hmm. they they had a press conference today, actually following the hack that (laughs) we haven't talked about. Oh yes. We can talk about that too. (laughs) Why don't you, why don't you tell, fill us in on the hack as well there while you're at it. Okay. Well, um, one of the articles that came out about this, just to back up a little bit, um, just a couple days ago, uh, yesterday actually, there was an article written on iMore where it kind of went into detail about what the app is doing, just basically sniffing packets when, when the app is running. And you can see that pretty much everything that the app is doing is, is unencrypted and going over the open wire, and so it's pretty easy to see what uh, the app is accomplishing. Um, and it's pretty easy to find a legitimate email address uh, for an account running on mm. this app. So if the, the idea basically being that if you, if you send uh, an existing email address up to the API, it will respond in one way, and if you send a fake one, it responds in another. So you just kind of have to guess. And I, I'm guessing that that sort of poorly designed API and, and the fact that it's kind of a clear uh, signal. So I, you're saying it's unencrypted? 
It seems to be, yeah. Wow. Yeah, not, like, since, not since Chase Bank brought yeah, on Apple app. Yeah, you know, that's that's obviously you know step one in, in is, doing is actually, any kind of API. Is it actually that it's not encrypted, or is it just uh, sending? Well, different it's got to be codes. unencrypted. It's got it's unencrypted because uh, like the, if you look at this article, they're they're showing the data. Oh. Like here's some JSON back from the that's server. That's true. Yeah, it has the customer key. It's got addresses, email information. Um, it, it you know anybody with with uh, a packet sniffer could could look at this. Hmm. And uh, if you're looking for one, Charles' uh, proxy is actually a very excellent one. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, I was going to say I thought Charles' proxy. Did, if you if you had the paid version of Charles' proxy, I thought you could look at um, SSL packet stuff unencrypted once it arrives on your your machine. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Oh, that, yeah. that would be very I think interesting. So. I think um, so. Yeah, I think I've, I've had to do that in the past with. You would have to have the certificate, obviously. Like so, like you would yeah. have that as a consequence of a you know a, a web site visit. But well, you, in, in a lot of cases, you, you you can request the the certificate from a server unless they've got sophisticated man in the middle kind of stuff in place. Right, and right. a lot of developers don't have that in there, right? So indeed. So anyway, given given how open that API appears to be, it, it, it was no surprise at all that a day later we were seeing that uh, a lot of email addresses were harvested from the system, and um, and mm. so there was a press release, uh, press conference rather today with the sure. uh, executives of, of MCX. Uh, basically coming out and saying, you know, look, we got no problems here. Everything's good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, this is a great system. And addressing actually some of the things that that uh, that are seen as criticisms, like uh, like you and Jaime were talking about, about um, the whole QR code thing being just an implementation detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it really does come back to motivation. And I think back to when... Apple Pay was introduced, and it was Tim Cook, I think, on the stage, right? He was saying that, you know, this this is a system that's to the benefit of consumers. Mm-hmm. And the reason that no other system has worked is because it hasn't benefited consumers. And here we are out of the gate, and we've got a couple of data points. Data point number one is that Apple Pay has been phenomenally successful, right? I think mm-hmm. we've seen very clearly that a lot of people used Apple Pay. We've got uh, over a million people signed up. Um, Already, yeah. yeah. I hadn't seen any statistic on that. Yeah, and yeah, I think um, there was a, like, All Things D, no, whatever it is now, the Recode conference uh, that Walt Mossberg runs, and they had, uh, gosh, was it Greg Joswiak or one of the Apple executives there, and he threw down some numbers, and it was about a million users uh, on Apple Pay, um, and that's just in the first week, right? So a lot of excitement and a lot of customer uptake, and the reviews, like everything we've heard about it, um, of actual use cases has been very positive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people are using it, like Jaime reported, but not like how Mark reported. <laughs> <laughs> um, not hearing a lot of what Mark is telling us, <laughs> but everyone else is having a great time yeah, with it. Yeah, I've just had bad luck, I guess. I haven't tried since, so I'll have to come, uh, go back when I go back home. Yeah, yeah we, we get can, the back we, to a Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> mm. We can Buy follow up, actually, after we, we get through that piece. We can uh, talk about the um, my experience using Apple Pay at a couple other vendors as well. Oh, good. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess, well, just uh, to wrap up with MCX, it's just that their their interests do not at all align with the customers. And, in fact, it's it's exactly diametrically opposed to customer desires. So... I think well, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. They're calling it the Mike Cole Exchange, and he's the CEO of Walmart, if I'm not mistaken, right? So yeah, there was that sort of inside baseball sort of naming thing, um, mm-hmm. and you know, good, good, you know, and I can see how that's you know amusing and all, but 
I think um, <laughs> two years from now, uh, they're going to be historical folk note. They will not be around. Yeah, I think the market will just take care of this. I mean, if, if it's so bad and everybody knows it's so bad, people just won't use it and it'll go away. Yeah. Well, and and you know, again, it, it comes down to exactly. I think I think that the and it. I don't know. It's kind of a different tier of of clientele that are that are using Apple Pay. If I can be so bold as to say that, you know, you elitist. Uh, well, you know, sorry, I, I I can count on one hand how many times I've shopped at Walmart in the last five years. So yeah, same thing. You know, and I, I still have fingers left over. So I went. Uh, I did not go back to CVS to verify because I I truly believe all the reports that it. Apple Pay no longer works there. Uh, I mean, if they shut off the NFC terminal, it's obviously not going to work. Um, I did, however, go to one of their competitors, Walgreens, um, and it worked fantastically, uh, just super smooth. Mm -hmm. But I also went to McDonald's and tried it out, and I wasn't as successful there. So it took three times for the transaction to go through, despite the fact that the phone told me that everything was a-okay so i don't understand if this is some sort of software problem on the mcdonald's side where mm. their payment processing is not being handled properly um so even though it, it it looked like three separate transactions in the um in passbook uh one that was you know an actual amount and then two that said unknown transaction and had no amount whatsoever and i did verify on uh you know, my, my bank account that it only got through once as a singular charge. So I'm not really sure what's happening there. Um, mm-hmm. It could be a software thing. It could be as I kind of, you know, really stretching here. I noticed that the NFC terminal at McDonald's is a little bit different than the ones at CVS and Walgreens. So the one at McDonald's is a perfectly flat one. And it didn't really encourage me to put my phone all the way perfectly parallel with the reader. Mm, right. So I, I, I would guess my phone is probably about a 45 degree angle. And that's different than the ones at CVS and Walgreens, which are kind of cupped. So if you cup your hand and then sort of naturally rest your phone on the little seat that gets produced there, I wonder if that produces a better connection for X reason. I mean, it's just wild yeah, speculation. And, and I don't know. I think, I think I sort of said earlier that um, before we started recording that, you know, in in our terminals that we have for NFC, like we have our our gas pumps, for instance, have it, and you can you can literally take your credit card out and just you know, it, they say tap the the terminal, but you can just hold it at any sort of angle, and there's like a beep, and then then it's registered the the, the information in the card, um, and I think that's the same case with with other types of things like that. But you know what? In my own experience too, I don't use it all the time, but but the times that I have tried to use the sort of tap and pay kind of thing. Um, it, it does, it's hit and miss, you know, so I think there may be something to the fact that they're probably just like we, we found out with the iBeacon stuff we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, that the different radios in the devices will, will garner different results, you know, when people are using them, right? So, right. I mean, what, what happened when you, when it didn't work? Like, how did you know that if the iPhone was reporting that it was successful, was the McDonald's terminal giving an error or something? Um, if it did so, it did to the cashier who said, no, it didn't go through. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll try it again. And But your phone was saying, yep, you're good. Yeah, I got the little check mark that says done. And I just, huh. and, this, and you were saying last week when you had this, that first successful transaction at CVS that, that it was like the, the girl just kind of look, looked at you with surprise on her, fi- her face because the payment had gone through automatically, right? Or, <laughs> yeah, or uh, which is kind of funny. I guess that was maybe a training issue at CVS because at Walgreens and Walmart, they both knew exactly what I was trying to do. 
Carly, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, and it's it's interesting. I just want to point out too that that we were talking about the fact that they're trying to block um, Apple Pay, but they're also trying to block Google Wallet as well, right? Well, they well, don't care. It's a side about effect. <laughs> I mean, that's a oh, side effect. You turn off the NFC terminal, and and both Google oh, Wallet and Apple Pay right. go bye bye. Right. Mm. But yeah, like that's just the mechanism, and it's the only things that they're used for. Oh, I mean, they're not. They're they're not, they're okay. They're literally taking them off the counters. That's yeah, or disconnecting them or whatever. But yeah, there are no NFC connections available like if you if you had like a for some reason a contactless uh nfc card from canada for example and wow. you were going to use it down there you couldn't anymore mm-hmm. it's funny you know like i'll bet you that's the case because you know in canada they they're there some credit companies that provide these nfc cards yeah um i don't have one but uh yeah i have a couple okay so you could you could theoretically uh take them down to the states and use them on their nfc terminals yeah, I've never. I, you know, you're right. I've never actually tried, but it, you know, it's kind of one of these things. Like my bank card is an NFC card, but um, it only comes out of a default account. Like I can't pick the account it comes out of. You know, so that's kind of a, a one re- one reason why I don't use it. But uh, my, I think um, one or both of my Visa cards are, are NFC as well. Be that as it may, like mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is that in addition to them disabling Apple Pay and Google Wallet, uh, these cards would also no longer work because the terminals aren't there anymore. Right, right. Right. And hmm. and the funny thing is is that I assumed that when they put those terminals in that it would somehow support this MCX thing, right? But given their implementation based on QR codes, that's not the case. So hmm. um it's not it's not to replace uh Apple Pay with MCX. Uh it is just an entirely different payment terminal altogether. Um no. one other thing that was said in the MCX uh conference call today was that um despite what a lot of people have been saying in the last couple of days about uh, these retailers uh, being locked in to the MCX consortium. Uh, they said that, in, in fact, these retailers are free to offer uh, support for any system they see fit. Uh, so a lot of people were blaming the MCX company itself for the stringent terms uh, against people like CVS and Rite Aid, these, these places in the States that turned it off. Uh, so, in fact, it seems, if that is in fact true, that these these chains have decided to do that of their own volition and not because of any contract requirement. Hmm. And but and is uh, but currency is not uh, not currently up and running yet, isn't it? Something yeah, coming next kind year of, or whatever. It seems to be in private beta right now. Oh, I see. Right. Right. Yeah. So people are are using it and have access to it, uh, but it is not widely deployed. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Fascinating. It is fascinating because you know, like this is. This is clearly a period of tumultuous change and something that's really important, you know, like payment like this. Um, and I think we're all going to look back on this as a really important time, um, and especially in the States, too, where it's been rather archaic. No offense. Yeah, it, it's uh, kind of funny. I'm not really surprised that, there, that I, and I, w- I would have expected that there would have been a lot of uh, time for other retailers to, to buy into using Apple Pay, but not to, to come right out and try and block it altogether. That, that's, that's just going too far, you know. Yeah. In my considered opinion, it's, okay, it's a weird thing though because um, this is one of those rare opportunities where we can be arm in arm with our Android cousins and having <laughs> the same goal and, and the same Skipping like down the street evil now. empire that we're very angry at. Mm-hmm. Um, however, having just talked about being together and, and being with brothers, um, it says a lot that you know this has been a feature that's a generally available uh, in, in some shape or form on the Android platform for a couple of years now. And right. only when Apple got into it and we saw how successful it was 
did it become a business problem, right? Yep. Like a it, Apple didn't create this NFC payment method, but it certainly made it important where right. it was not yeah. before. Right. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it seems that it all comes down to implementation, right? Uh, that seems to be everything to do with Apple Pay's success. Compare the user experience between uh, using Apple Pay and Google Wallet. And it's, I think Google Wallet's UI is very similar, or rather user experience, not user interface, uh, is very similar to uh, MCX uh, currency. <laughs> oh, currency, um, really? Yeah, okay. the, the, whole, the whole notion of like, okay, you got to unlock the phone, got to open the app, you got to, you know, get out the scanning, and then you can do it, and then you have to approve the card, and, you know, it, it's just step after step after step. Hmm. Whereas, of course, Apple is, is integrated right into the base level of the phone. One touch, done. Right. And I think that's that's going to make all the difference. Yeah, and it, it's just funny. You think they'd come to the table and, and, and discuss this with Apple. I mean, especially like Walmart, who was actually an Apple-authorized reseller as well, that, you know, that they, that they would, you know, try and pull a fast one like that. I guess, you know, they don't see it that way. Walmart only cares about Walmart. Yeah. yeah. They're going to make their own phone one of these days. And Maybe put it in there. That worked yeah. well for Amazon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It, no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, yeah, I forgot about that. That was at uh, back in August, right? No, no, it was like this week. Um, Amazon oh. announced that they've got oh because they, they just announced the quarterly results, right? I mean, yeah. was it? Um, it's something like oh my god, tens of millions of dollars worth of unsold uh, Amazon Fire phones sitting oh, in warehouses. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Who? But there was somebody giving away free phones back in August when we were at 360i Dev, or September, or August. We talked about that in the show. Go back and listen to episode one, or two, or three, or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> episode no, uh, it doesn't matter. Suffice to say, moving on. <laughs> well, so the I, other. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it just reminds me of uh, of Microsoft's fortunes in the sort of mobile space. You know, they had the same issue with uh, their Surface tablets, right? They had hundreds of millions of dollars of Surface tablets sitting in warehouses. They could not sell them, um, and it's just the the you know the landscape is littered with the bodies of of dead technology giants that can't compete with Apple in this market, including the Apple Lisa. The app what? Uh, that, that was different. <laughs> where, so, what? Where did that even come from? <laughs> there's a whole there's a desert full of uh, of buried leases back in the day. Ah, um, you know. So I think Amazon, if I remember correctly, and I don't have it in front of me, I think it was eighty three million dollars worth of inventory. So just doing some division here with my calculator, um, at uh, assuming six hundred dollars worth, and I and I know it's not that. That's not what it costs them to build, but that's I think the price to, to buy yeah, the phone. Yeah, sure, thereabouts. That is one hundred thirty eight thousand three hundred thirty three and one third phones sitting mm. in a <laughs> warehouse somewhere. Wow, where's that? Other, where's the other two thirds? Okay, well, another big story that came out, actually just happened today, was um, has to do with something we're interested in, and that's iOS 8 extensions. And in particular, one that was created by, I've forgotten the name of the guy. Nobody remembers? Okay. Uh, oh, sorry, who are we talking about? Yeah, the the, the guy who wrote... Um, Peacock, James yeah. Thompson? James Thompson, yes, yeah. thank you. So, yeah, so why don't you lead into telling us what happened today with, uh, with that? I, I mean, he had some good news, and then he got, you know... Some bad news. 
Uh, James Thompson is one of our oldest and most distinguished Mac developers. He is the developer of PCalc in this case, which has been around for a long time, but also the developer of Drag Thing on the Mac, uh, which a lot of old Mac users right. know. Awesome, awesome app, yep. Terrific app. Now, um, <laughs> he's uh, he's Glaswegian, and he's been around for a long time, very respected, and PCalc uh, is, is just one of these great apps that like like a lot of classic Mac developers, and I think also of bare bones in this case too, continuing to update it very uh, with a great deal of agility as Apple changes technology. So, you know, as as OS X has matured, he's come out with new versions that have supported the latest features. Uh, as iOS has come out, he's been there, and every time new features come out for iOS, he's he's always there. And I think he's had a lot of good success over the years because. You know, as one of the keys of being a successful indie developer is adopting Apple technologies very quickly, and Apple always looks favorably upon you when you do so, right? So if you come out with, um, you know, multitasking support first, then Apple's going to throw you on the front page of the store. If you come out with, um, you know, nowadays extension support, Apple's going to feature you. And and that's kind of the, the pickle that happened here for uh, James Thompson when he launched this new version of pcalc he included an extension uh, a today extension that puts the calculator right in to your uh, notification center hmm. and great feature very popular he's, he's been written up all over the place and uh, i think he's been doing very well by it uh in doing so well in fact that apple featured him uh on the app store and continues to do so even now we were just checking before the show he's still there mm-hmm. so Imagine his surprise and all of our surprise when he uh, noted today, James Thompson did, that Apple has warned him to yank the Today extension from uh, his app because it allows you to do calculations in the notification center. Right. And this is a rule that nobody was ever aware of that makes absolutely no sense. But he's been given this warning that if he doesn't do it within two weeks, that they will pull PCalc from the App Store. So that's kind of like, you know, we haven't heard a lot uh, from Apple in terms of poor rejections and uh, callbacks uh, for some time now. You know, in the early days of the App Store, uh, such stories like this were pretty common, but they've become very much less so in the last couple of years, I think. So this is kind of a big surprise, you know, especially given that Apple is featuring them. Uh, to have a, a, an app with, uh, you know, this kind of feature that is really super useful, has really tangible customer benefit, and Apple doesn't want to see it. And so I'm really concerned. <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah, there was some there was some buzz on, like we were talking about it on our Slack group, like, and... Um... Yeah, there was some, you know, obviously that kind of broke at the same time as, as you saw it on Twitter. Um, and it surprised all of us because, you know, we didn't think that, you know, what's the point of having today extensions if, if they're just going to be to display, you know, lame information that's just going to pop up and say, hey, you have an email? You yeah. Know, and, and not really do anything beyond that, you know? But there, there are many apps that provide functionality inside of the today extension. So a perfect example is uh, the one I'd mentioned, Widgets, which was a collection of uh, Today extensions. Um, I actually recommended that one for the iPad because you can have a calculator right there Mm, because the iPad doesn't come with a a calculator pre-installed. Right, right, yeah. And Apple themselves have a calculator widget for OS X. 
Yes, of course they do. Yeah. In in their today, their notification panel. So it just it, it you know to me it just smacks of being a, a real goof on their part. I just I just can't see this standing. James Thompson has said that he's uh he's gone back to them and he's he's asked for a review of this policy. Right. And given given that and given the reaction that has been out there, I have a feeling that Apple's going to pull back on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe it was just some automated thing that flagged it and sent it out. And, and yeah, or just really somebody who just did, didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. It does seem like a, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing kind of situation, for sure. True. You know, I really don't even know. Like, it feels like they're sort of making it up as they go along on that one, um, which I think speaks to Aaron's point about it being like the early days of the App Store where it was... Uh, you know, extremely mercurial as to how their process works. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at mm. the extensions uh, section of the app review guidelines. I can't think of anything that this could have violated. And I even kind of dug through the app extension programming guide and I couldn't find anything that prevented you from doing that. I mean, you, you can't support, and in fact, the, the system doesn't support keyboard entry, but that's not what this calculator was doing, right? You, you had buttons that you could tap as if it was a physical calculator, instead of bringing mm-hmm. up the iOS um, keyboards. I, I don't even understand where they're coming from and, and what their concern is about this sort of feature. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, the, the SDK provides an ability to do, you know, pretty much arbitrary computation, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Inside of an extension bundle. So there's there's absolutely no technical a barrier to putting that kind of functionality or even something similar, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just, it, it just does not make sense. So um, I, I, I hope that this gets revoked. Um, and I think it was interesting today when um, David Bernard uh, wrote a column uh, in response to this. Um, and it's basically reprinting a letter that he, he does this a lot. Actually, he writes open letters to Apple executives. I'm not sure how useful this is, but uh, he does this from time to time and posts, um, post them to his blog. And so he did that today as well. And basically he's outlining um, the fear, the fear of coming up with something new and novel for iOS when you have this this shadow hanging over your head of, of app review, whether it'll pass. And even if it does pass, how do you know it's going to stay passed when Apple can yank you at any time? I was going to say that that actually is a, a concern. I know a lot of developers when they're first getting out there with with apps, you know, when they first submit them, there's a sort of dark cloud as to whether or not Apple's going to approve, you know, what we've done. And I've seen cases where, you know, in one one case they approve one app, and then almost identical apps don't get approved, you know, for for the, and you know practically the same source code, right? So, well, that's that's the thing, right? Like this, we've talked about in in past shows about the iPad in particular about the kinds of apps that are not coming out for the iPad because mm-hmm. uh, mostly we've been talking about economic issues, just that it's not worthwhile to invest heavily in um, really next-generation type software, whatever that might be. Right. Uh, but there's another reason, too, and that's bound up in all of what we're seeing today, that we can't trust um, doing something truly innovative, putting the investment of time into that, only to see Apple... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, strike it down at the time that you submit, you know? Remembering, of course, that there's no way that you can know before you start writing code and shipping an app mm-hmm. whether Apple's going to actually let it through or not. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been a chilling effect on the App Store since day one that has really shaped, I think, the kinds of apps that we see on the platform. And this is just a, a very stark reminder that even something is, is seemingly trivial, you know, and PCALC, I'm sure it's got a lot of great features, but it's a calculator, right? Right, yeah, um, yeah. You know, like if, if if something like that can run afoul of the App Store review, uh, you know, what about truly innovative apps with new ideas, you know, that, that nobody's mm-hmm. thought of yet or, or have thought of and said, you know what, I'm not going to take a chance on that. It's like basic, basic stuff. I mean, you know, it's actually mostly C stuff, you know adding two numbers together and multiplying them and whatever. Sure. Crazy. And and it's sense. like a, an extension is just literally just one view controller. So, I mean, it's not, it can't talk to anything else. I mean, it's not like it, it's, it's mostly harmless, you know? They were built that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's this logo bug article thing? Sure. So it's not exactly a new article. It's um, from 2013, uh, in November, 2013, but it's, it's kind of an interesting one from a, I wouldn't really have thought about it. I've, I've not had to implement this particular kind of functionality. Um, the reason it came up is because a friend of mine had uh, tweeted about it, and I said, "Oh, that's that's kind of interesting. That's a that's a coding aspect." So, Guilt, which is a, um, an app, and it's an e-commerce site, so you can buy pretty things through the the app. It's pretty much that, a shopping experience. Is that G U I L T or G I L T? G I L T. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, in this article, they talk about how they um, ran into this weird bug when people were upgrading to iOS 7, um, and and they'd added support for iOS 7 in terms of a background fetch. So, um, their business is pretty heavily predicated on making sure your shopping cart is up to date and that you see all the brand new sales, and they don't want you to have to open the app, sit there, and wait for that content to come in. I mean, that's the entire point of the background fetch mode, right? But in their case, they realized, like, huh, people would launch the app, and then everything would be okay. They'd be logged in, and they'd come back, you know, a few minutes to a few hours later, and they were mysteriously logged out of the app, and they'd have to log back in again. And they couldn't reproduce it, and they couldn't figure it out. And it turns out that they were trying to access the keychain, which is pretty reasonable, right? Take the 
mm-hmm. user credentials. The uh, iOS itself has said, hey, background mode, now go. Go do whatever you need. Take the information out of the keychain and try to talk to uh, their web services to get the information. Um, in this particular implementation, the keychain uh, is not accessible at that time because uh, the user's phone is locked, like when this event occurs, right? That's oh. also part of what made it hard to test, that their test devices didn't have um, any uh, uh, security on them. They didn't have any locking mechanism. And you may not necessarily notice that, like, you know, you get logged out if you phone goes to sleep or gets locked or or doesn't, right? That's a harder one to chase down. But in any case, they try accessing the keychain. The keychain says, nope, sorry, this information is not available at this time because the phone is locked because um, that, that is a security mode that the keychain provides. Right. And so their code just kind of moved along and said, oh, well, let me send this nil information to the server. The server gets that API call and says, oh, um, all right, I guess there's no user here, so let's log that person out. Whatever this came from isn't correct anymore. Hmm. And that and that was the source of their bug, right? So they ultimately ended up having to fix it by realizing that now the app delegate has a um, application protected data did become available. So they they could have gone down the route of making their keychain information less secure. Uh, keychain does have an option to um, always have the information available, even if the uh, device is locked. But this is critical information, right? This is information you could use to um, do terrible things with the user's account. And you really don't want somebody who has physical access to the device to be able to make use of that information. So they went the right route, which is the, the more secure route of, okay, when this protected information is available, go ahead and get the credentials from the keychain, right? So they can get a head start on doing the syncing instead of having to simply wait for the user to get up to speed. So just a little tip there for folks to, you know, pay attention to that sort of thing. Don't, don't go the insecure route. And yeah. if you're having mysterious logout problems, this might be it. It's funny how iOS is just riddled with little things like that. You know, they hard won lessons with all these APIs. Yeah. And, and they, they do mention in the blog post that like previously, like when there was no background mode for an app, you could more or less assume that if your app is running, the keychain is available, right? So the user had to unlock the phone to get to that point. Okay. So are we there yet? Oh, yeah, we're there. <laughs> well, you want to go around the table and do our Sure, picks? yeah. Let's do that. So once again, uh, before we wrap up, we'll go around the table and see if anybody has any new and interesting things that they've come up with over the last week. Um, uh, Aaron, do you have anything? Yeah. Uh, I have this app that uh, just came out today. Mm-hmm. And it's called Oxy, A-U-X-Y. And it's an app that is sort of like a mixing board for different drum beats. That, so allowing you to create funky little tracks mm-hmm. in a very easy-to-use way. Uh, it's got a, a really fascinating interaction model. It's just basically a grid of boxes with different kits. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can come up with like a drum kit uh sort of a bebop kit uh, you know they've got their names for them but um uh they're different kind of synthesizers and for each bar it's really hard to describe <laughs> um you can create uh little sets of beats that can play and when you do this um you can put together entire songs mm-hmm. and 
you know, if, if you're the sort of person that kind of has gets a kick out of playing, say, with GarageBand and the drum kits and the different instruments, uh, you'll really enjoy Oxy. Um, and it's uh, it's super fun and easy to get involved with, and uh, kids would love it too. Um, mm. And uh, it's free. <laughs> oh, it's free. Cool. Oh, that's cool, yeah. I, no, 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 actually, that's not cool, but... Uh, uh, there's no in-app purchase, uh, no sense of a business model. It is simply made with love in Sweden by wow. Frederick Gadnall and Henrik Lindbergh. And uh, there's really <laughs> no idea why or how they're doing this to make well, money. It's interesting, though, because uh, I did look at the, the – the, I think there's a video you, tw- you posted earlier. And it looks yeah. very similar to an app called by Korg called Gadget, which I think I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um and it's a very similar thing. You basically got uh, when when you go into an instrument, you have like a, a panel which represents you know the, a bar of music, and you tap um, you know de- tap the bottom of the screen for lower notes and higher uh, higher screen for higher notes. Or yes, it drone. is. You know that is it, very similar to that. Yeah, and you just kind of tap a pattern out, and then and then it it as it's running through plays. There's a lot of there's a lot of apps that are similar to that kind of stuff. There's a lot of um, um, voices and stuff like that are that are available in the Mac. There's some very low level um, music uh, engines that are available to use in your in your. I should just said Mac, but I meant um, iOS. And and that's a, a lot of people are building apps, music apps to do that kind of stuff. There was a lot of free apps in in the early days of the iPhone as well, like people making little music, you know, little keyboards and stuff like that. So I could see how they would do that for free, but that is awfully generous of them to do it for free, you know, especially in these days, this day and age, right? No kidding. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing, like I've seen a lot of those apps and uh, I, I think this one gets bonus marks for being uh, really nicely designed. Yeah. Um, very, very sharp looking app. So Yeah, the propell- propeller heads make a bunch of good games, or good apps that are sim- very similar, sort of like very simple little beatboxes. And that kind of stuff. This one has. This one takes advantage. Is it i, I uh, iPhone only or uh, sorry iPad I, only or? It appears to be iPad only. Yeah, because yeah, it and again it's like your favorite kind of app because it takes advantage of the entire real estate, right? So. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, Jaime, do you have anything to add today? I do, and it's it's sort of a strange pick because it's not one of those things that everybody can necessarily get into. Uh, so I apologize in advance for that. It's uh, inbox. From Google, right? So it's a new app as well as a um, at least a Chrome-enabled website, and it's kind of an interesting app because it's as if you took Google Now and the Mailbox app for iOS and merged the two together into this contextual and quick, um, not curation, but quick triaging of information. So, for mm-hmm. example, right you. I took my Gmail address and I can very quickly see what's come in yesterday and today. And for example, I'm looking at an email. I can swipe that email to the right to check it off and, and understand that I've taken care of whatever needs to occur there. I can also say, you know what? I really don't want to do anything with this right now, but I need to be reminded when I get home or I need to be reminded uh, tomorrow morning. And you can swipe to the right and make that item snooze to bring that email back into your inbox uh, instead of having to star it or favorite it or, or, or keep some separate list. Mm-hmm. And they've also sort of made use of their, um, their, their really great categorization stuff. So if you, by default, you get things that are bundled by um, it realizes what you're traveling and, and 
you know, tickets related to that airline tickets or purchases that you made. So I can see purchases I've done with uh, PayPal, for example, or uh, social media updates like LinkedIn, you know, job requests coming in. And they, they think really just did a good job of taking something that is already there, all this data that they had. And, and I assume this made use of the, but I don't know for a fact that it makes use of their, their mail, um, uh, sorry, Sparrow acquisition. And hmm. the material design philosophy is actually here in the UI as well. So I'm a big fan of, of where Google's going with the material design. And so they have the little hockey puck in the lower right-hand corner. It's a little plus symbol. Mm-hmm. It's got a great little animation. You tap that and you can quickly compose a message. It shows the one, two, three, three most frequent people that you've emailed. So I can see a couple of friends of mine and, and my, uh, my parents. And you can also quickly create a reminder too. Like it's, it's an app that seems to be, you know, don't eliminate email per se. There's plenty of people that are trying to do that. It's accept the fact that email exists and find a, you know, much faster, more efficient way to get to that magical inbox zero state. <laughs> is it a, I was just going to ask, is it a web app only, uh, like with a mobile web app sort of thing, or is it an app? There, there is an actual app as well as a, um, I've not tried the website as well, but I think it's yeah. Chrome only. Yeah, it doesn't work in Safari or Firefox. I actually, it's it's by invitation only for for some reason. Um, I have it as well, and I'm just actually putting it on my on my iPhone six plus. But um, it's it's just uh, it's just Gmail though, right? Isn't it, Jaime? Because I mean, I've seen other people compare it to Mailbox and Boxer, which I guess are other um, Gmail clients that people are using. I mean, there's the, there's the Gmail app itself from Google and iOS, which uh, works pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. I believe this only works with normal consumer Gmail uh, accounts. I believe the Google apps for businesses, oh, right, uh, yeah. those accounts, I believe, are, are not supported. No, um, no way. Really? Yeah. And oh, I don't know how the invite system ass. works. <laughs> like, I, I looked online to see how to do this, and I literally do not have the option that I should. So maybe you have to have enough usage for a while to, to get that ability. That's so disappointing. I really thought G- uh, Google had figured out and merged all these Google apps and public Google capabilities together a couple years ago. So it's that's disappointing to see that Google Apps users are kind of left out in the cold again. Mm-hmm. You know, that used to be normal, but uh, I thought they'd resolve that. No, they they so, have lots of issues with, with Google accounts and all the different services connected to everything. I, I have... For historical reasons, I have four or five different Google accounts still, you know, yeah. around. And friends of mine, you know, they can they try to send me a text through Google, and, <laughs> and they see my name four times, but they have no idea which of my accounts they're sending it to. There's no identifier except my name in these in this hmm. in this uh, list of theirs. So so I'll get you know I'll get stuff sent to completely the wrong account accounts that I haven't looked at in a year, you know, or whatever. Uh, and and there's no way to consolidate them, and there's there's really no way that I can tell to, I mean, short of you know, changing my name to one two three four or putting up a different picture or something like that. I I can't find any way to have people figure out which account they're actually talking to. It's kind of silly. Hmm. I mean, for Google, a right? Pain. Yeah. yeah, it's Google. Yeah, and that's you know another thing you know having it uh, by invite only is typically done in order to let them scale up their service, right? That's not generally oh, a problem okay. that Google has <laughs> scaling. That's <laughs> uh, so interesting. I, it might be just as much a beta phase as a scaling issue. Well, there was a, there was a big uh, discussion amongst you know people on Twitter and um, uh, 
and other groups that I've been following that um, you know people were sort of saying, hey, did you get your inbox invite yet? And and it's sort of you know I sent in mine and it took maybe two or three days before I got mine. What was what was your experience like, Jaime? Did you apply through Google or? No, actually, I was invited by a friend. Oh, were you? Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. Very strange. Yeah. Oh, there's Mark Rubin. How about that? Um, in my in my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it. I don't get it to be honest. With you. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of looking at what you were just saying, and, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm not really sure. Am I looking at my actual inbox and in, on Gmail or? Do you know, you exactly. are, but it's yeah, it's, it's a different view of it. It's a different slice. So instead yeah, of being in, a, an uncategorized uh, list of of information coming in, it's bundled together. So uh, maybe you are really interested in all those recruiter requests on LinkedIn. You can well, decide yeah, to see, go into that if you're <laughs> really interested. It's like you know what? I really got to take care of this airline information. That comes well, I'm looking at this. I'm, what's center. confusing me about this? I don't use Gmail as my primary account. But that said, you know, I'm looking at my at this month, which is almost over, right? So one or two days left in it, and um, and I've got like six emails here. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't not very very reassuring. Hmm. Somehow, it seems but, like it's geared towards uh, organizing purchases and travel promotions. You know, and there's not a lot of that in my email. <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I try not to buy as much as I can, you know, and right. uh, I don't, I don't travel hardly at all. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, there's reminders. I, I just don't see the benefit. I'm not, I'm not feeling the love. Well, and that's been a lot of the, a lot of the, the talk that I've, that I've sort of seen online is, is that people are kind of wondering what, it, what it's really all about, you know, like. Other than maybe they're trying to redefine the whole email experience, which, as we all know, is completely broken, you know, beyond mm-hmm. broken, right? So, I don't know. I, you know, we could we could have a debate about that. I mean, I think I think people have to be a little more uh, rigorous about how they uh, handle their email. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know that email is broken per se. Huh. I think people just need to use it more smart, more intelligently. Well, I know. I mean, I mean, with the whole spam, you know box and all that kind of stuff like you know there's still there's still a lot of clutter that comes in through the regular channels you know without even people trying anyway mm. so that's google inbox um i have a couple of things one first of all i want to mention that we're recording this on october 29th it'll hopefully hit the streets on the 30th and that gives people one more day to uh get take advantage of the early bird discount of a hundred dollars off the rw devcon um, and we also have a promo code. If, if you don't get take advantage of that, we have a promo code um, MTJC. There's a link on the um, more than just code website, which we'll give out at the end of the show, that uh, you can get an extra $50 off if you're thinking of going to RW DevCon in, in February in Washington, D.C. The thing I discovered this week, and, and uh, I was listening to release notes the other day, and they one of their sponsors is, is a thing called iOS Lead. So... Being that I'm a consulting developer and I'm always looking, to, you know, to, for jobs to fill my hopper, I kind of got interested in in, um, in iOS leads. So I, I basically went over there and signed up it, it, for a trial. And um, basically, what it is is it's a ma- email group that will send they they gather up um, good leads for job leads and they send them out to other interested developers. So I think that kind of fits with our with our concept for our show that. Um, you know, if you're a developer out there and you're, you're trying to do the freelance thing, I know Aaron and I both are in, in our own ways doing that. Um, and Mark too, um, we're, you know, 
how do, Mark's asked me many times how, how do I how do I find the leads? Well, this is this is just a new way of doing it. Um, it's going to cost. I think you can get a trial for a little while, and then it's going to cost about forty nine dollars a month U.S. Um, and you know, every couple of days you'll get like you know five or six different leads from around the world of people looking for developers to build apps for them, and they're pre qualified. It's not like going to you know Craigslist or to Workopolis, and rather than the recruiters coming to you, you get to sort of see what the description of the job is, and then decide if you want to go and, and apply for it. So that's kind of a cool cool thing. That's that's my pick for the the week. I can add something to that. Sure, go uh, ahead. Well, I've been using that service for the last three months. How are you? Okay, how's it going? Well, uh, leads are are real. It, it yeah. appears. <laughs> yeah. um, I've been paying the fifty dollars a month. Oh, have you? Okay. Service. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I have I have not gotten anything out of it, to be frank. Well. And uh, I have some theories on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first being that you know as as that service becomes more successful and popular, um, the more likely it is that what any given lead will be swarmed with responses right yeah um so i think what happens is like i i don't think i even maybe i can count on one hand the number of responses i've gotten back uh when i first started signing up for that service i i shortly thereafter picked up a client contract that um, on my own Mm -hmm. that i've since been working on and so i haven't really uh responded to too many uh in the last month and a half or so Mm -hmm. but leading up until that point so say for the six weeks i was sending out uh, replies on probably at least two uh, out of, say, the six or so that come, Monday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Fridays, as those emails come in. Right. And But I can count on my, my one hand the number of times I've had a reply back from any of those. Oh, really? Okay. And none of them got uh, anywhere near uh, talking about starting with them. Hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, I don't... I, I can't really speak to the quality of these leads uh, because nothing's really come of it, but uh, I've decided to maintain my subscription at least for the next month. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's sort of on probation for me right now. Okay, well, I, I had a conversation with Mike Fellows yesterday, the guy who founded um, iOS yep. Leads, because I you know, was curious about it, and, and you know, he sort of said if I had any questions. I said, well, as a matter of fact, I, you know, it's something that I think our, our listeners might be interested in, so... We we you know sat down and had a, squ- a Skype call if you can call that sitting down, and talked about how how it works and and um, kind of sort of what it is and uh, what they're looking for and um, it didn't quite go into the sort of ways that that uh, he gets the stuff but it's he, they're trying to keep the number of developers that are available in the pool down it's not like there's thousands of of people there um, you know which is going to be the case if you try and apply for a job on on Craigslist and and one of the things you know about Craigslist I've noticed is that employers will post the same job like 10 times within the same week, you know? Um, so that, that speaks to the fact that there's a lot of jobs, avail- positions available, maybe not enough people to fill them. Um, so what's the screening process like, or is there a screening process? For them to screen us? Yeah. Uh, there isn't really one. It's basically, no. you know, you, if you're willing to spend $50 a month, you know, and, you know, Mike was telling me that he's, He's probably picked up a couple of jobs out of out of the four or five that he's working on at the moment. He's you know two or three of them came through this 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 pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know most developers find um, um, jobs through different places, and we were going to talk about this in a future show. But you know I can sort of give you some of the, some of his insights on and and these are the same things that we've all tried, and, and maybe we'll just put it out there so people are thinking about how to 
how to do it. Um, he kind of sort of explained that there's a four-pronged process to finding uh, leads or jobs uh, that are out there. One is to get involved with local businesses and meetups that are in your area. The other is to get involved with the local developer community, which is kind of sort of what we're trying to do here with more than just code. And, you know, we follow people on online and, and you know, read about, you know, the technology. To, we follow Gruber, follow Marco Arnett, you know, follow all the guys out there, the pundits uh, who are talking about this kind of business and talking about Apple in general. Um and I forgot what the other ones were. Oh, and, you know, a lot of it's referrals. So the kind of idea what he was talking about is, oh, actually, they're also starting an, an AndroidLeads.com as well, he was telling me yesterday. Um, so they're going to, oh, AndroidLeads.net, sorry. Um, it's sort of, I, I you know, I, I guess it's, it's like anything else. But, I mean, you know, you get to decide which jobs you apply for and you get to decide, you know, how to have a conversation with somebody. Um, I actually applied to three today just for the sake of science, and I had a conversation with one of them. Turned out they were in the United, in, in the United Kingdom. So if anybody's looking for work in the United Kingdom, get in touch with me. Uh, but well, yeah, and that's that's actually <laughs> some of the issue too. I yeah. think you know, like I'm a lot of these are in the states, right? Well, yeah, some of them do and say so, they're in Toronto, and, and or, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. saw I saw mm -hmm. that you went to one uh, that I applied to as well. Oh, did you? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, I, guy, I yeah. The guy on um, that you replied to via Twitter. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I talked to him the day that came out, and I ah. didn't talk to him. I just tweeted him, and I never got a response back. Oh, really? Nothing. Okay. Hmm. And did he reply hmm. to you? No, not that guy. No, no, no. No, no you're right. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. See, I, so. did, I did say to Mike today. I was. I thought it was odd that you know. I mean, the contact. Some of them are. You know, they give you. He gives you the actual email address, or he'll give you the the lead connected to AngelList, for instance, yep. right? Yeah. Um, but some of them are like reach out to people on Twitter, and I'm you know. So I asked him about that. This is kind of odd, sort of, you know, because if I tweet that I'm talking to somebody about a, lead, a job, you know, hey, I found your lead on iOS leads. It's kind of odd to, to, because then I know Aaron's going to see me do that. And in fact, you did, right? Yep. Um, you know, so it's kind of out there that, that that's what's going on. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's an odd, an odd way to make an initial connection, you know, so, but it, the, the person I ended up talking to today was, or emailing back and forth today was, uh, you know, we we connected on on Twitter, and then then we went offline and finished the conversation that way. Right. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, so you you have no qualms about spending the fifty dollars a month to uh, keep it going, or I I would have no qualms about it at all if it if it were, paid off. If it were doing anything, if I got one job out of it, it would be worthwhile, obviously. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. uh, but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, just you know, for the sake of complete. Uh, it might be worthwhile for just just to read one of these, just to give uh, listeners a sense. Sure, of okay. What they're expecting. I'll just pick one out here. I've got yeah. today's. Um, is a full service agency known for tackling the largest, most complex problems in the digital space across multiple channels. They create everything from major marketing campaigns to enterprise solutions on web and mobile platforms. They're looking for a freelance iOS developer to work in a professional yet relaxed environment, delivering immersive, multi-channel solutions for their clients. Reach out at the e email address. Um, so. That's the sort of thing that they do, and um, the focus here, and I don't know if you mentioned this, Tim, was that these are all remote work jobs. No, no, some of them are some of them are on site. Some, yeah. Well, the the, the focus is definitely on remote work. Okay, uh, yeah, almost, which like, is good. Um, I mean, I'm, well, yeah, I like, I mean, yeah. It, totally. No, Sorry, no, yeah. I mean that that's the idea, right? Because yeah. uh, anywhere else you look, it's it's all in office stuff. Yeah. So remote work is very rare, and then this this list really focuses on that. When I signed up, I spoke to Michael as well. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, I, I had some questions. He gave me the answers, and he said the same thing. It's really remote based. Um, so, 
despite that, though, there's still a lot of these people I think are thinking like who are in the states, for example, looking for people who are also in the states. Mm-hmm. It is what it is, you know, and and um, it may also be that I'm insufficiently qualified in their eyes, and so that <laughs> you know that's also quite uh, a possible factor. But it it just hasn't clicked for me yet, and that doesn't mean it wouldn't click for someone else. Yeah. So how long? How many months have you been on it? Uh, three, I think. Three. Okay. Yeah. 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 I actually just today got my uh, invoice for another month service. So, cool. All right. Um, I'll keep it and. Uh, um, depending on what's happening with this client too, like something more longstanding might happen between us. And so I'm going to wait and see before yeah. deciding on this list. Okay. Well, we can talk about this offline as well. Um, I, do, I maybe we should mention a friend of our show, a friend of the show, um, Brian Gilliam, Gilliam is looking for people to work at the work group downtown Toronto. If anybody's interested, it's can, the working group, TWG.ca. Thank you very much, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's for developers in Toronto, by the yeah, way. So yeah. they they are an in office organization. I've uh, I had the good fortune of spending uh, about two months with them earlier this year. Oh, really? Great okay. place to work. So good. if uh, you're interested, go ahead and apply. Sure. Okay. All right. So I guess that's it for the week. And so, Aaron, where can people find you? Aaron Vay on Twitter. And Jaime, where can people find you? At Dev with Hair and devwithahair.com. And Mark, how about you? Mark at snapsoft.com. All right. And I'm uh, Tim Mitra at, Tim, at T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. And I'm also on itguy.com. It's it-guy.com. And that's about it. So I guess we'll just say goodbye for now. Goodbye for now. Bye goodbye. For now. Bye for now. <laughs> Rebel scum. <laughs> Can't be tamed. Can't be tamed. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find show notes and a summary of each episode. We list links to items that we talk about and links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave us a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also retweet our tweets about the show. Once again, our podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. And uh, that's it. Thanks a lot. And, um, of course, Aaron, you're in Whitby today, right? Always. <laughs> Do we really, like, this, uh, we should speed up the intro. Oh, come on. I mean, like, we, we don't have to really, like, dwell oh, come so on. deeply on. Oh, come on. on. Yeah. Oh, come on. Mark is in Los Okay, okay, all right. I'm okay. in, you know, okay. Aaron's in. Who cares where we are? I do. Oh, my God. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.